Here at Making Movies is Hard, we want to express our support for the writer strike. We encourage our filmmaker comrades to look into how best they can be allies for the good fight. Please go to WGACONTRACT2023.org to support the cause. You know, making movies is hard. Making movies is hard. Welcome. This is the podcast about the struggle of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Mark Bissell, the founding host of the podcast, and I'm a sci-fi horror filmmaker, and my first feature film, The Alternate, is out now on digital, DVD, and Tubi. And I'm Eric Toms, and I'm a writer-director whose first film, Bakersfield Noir, will be out later this year. On this Thursday bonus episode, we are going to play the interview from episode 334 with filmmaker Stacey Malton and Margarita Ziknikova, back from September 2021, who talked about willing their film into existence, which seems similar to the way Juan and his team pulled their film family together to make their special movie. After that, we play a round of You're the Expert! But first, don't forget to check out our Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash MMIH podcast. So, without any further bibble babble, here is our interview with Stacey Malton, and Margarita Zinknikova. So we're here with Stacey Malton and Margarita Zinknikova of Besties Make Boobies and to talk about their most recent film, Triple Threat. Margarita, you want to give us the elevator pitch for Triple Threat? Oh my God. <laughs> I feel like Stacey should get an elevator pitch. You can, you I can always pass. say something different. Okay, I'm passing. I'm passing the space. Sure. Um, So Triple Threat is the story of three friends on the verge of their Broadway debut when one of them, who is a man, asks his two female best friends to help him have a child. Uh, One of them ends up giving the egg. The other one is the surrogate. And it's about how their relationships are sort of irrevocably changed as their two babies, one human, one art baby is coming into the world. Awesome. Um, and how many days did you shoot the film? I think altogether 22. Uh, that's a very high number, which leads me to the next question. What was the rough budget? <laughs> uh, did you want it like cash or in kind? <laughs> I want every piece of information you could share or are willing to share comfortable. <laughs> it was Four? under a million. I'll say that. <laughs> um, but also a lot of things were in kind like we definitely hustled and got things in kind and the reason we shot for we were able to shoot for so many days is because we didn't like do a consecutive shoot of 22 days we would raise some we shot a part of the project realized it was going to be more story than we thought and we wanted to honor that uh so then we decided to raise some money for specific segments as we went along so it'd be like we need to record music now let's see if we can get somebody to like help us pay for that portion they see if you want to add to that yeah i mean really the true origin of the project is that it really came about at a time when we had been releasing our first feature and we were really sort of like in the throes of doing like all this business it was really like all business and we hadn't like made anything in a second. And I had like the sort of inklings of this idea about a story about three friends who were friends from when they were in college, who like always created art together when like this man decides, I really want to tell a story about a man who wanted to have a kid and how his two female friends were like very ambitious and were like more ambivalent about motherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, but the truth is when we started filming it, it was really like, I had like, maybe 15 pages of a script. I thought maybe it was going to be a short. 
I didn't really know. And I just asked like Mars and um, Jay, who plays the um, the man in the movie, who I've known for like almost 20 years, uh, if they wanted to, you know, do you want to have some fun and sort of explore and like get a group of people together and see what this idea is. And we shot for two days. We shot over a weekend. Um, it was just like our money at the time like you know we were just i we didn't really know what it was and then as i was like looking through the footage and sort of like looking through everything i was like oh like i don't think this story works as a short film um i don't think it's this is going to be a good short film <laughs> anyway um i think this needs to be a feature and if we're gonna tell you know i don't want to tell about making a musical if these people are going to be like musical theater nerds uh Spoiler alert, I'm a musical theater nerd. <laughs> I was like, we have to like, you know, show it, not just tell it. So I was like, let's put a pause on things. Let's develop the music. Let's figure out what this really is. And we started, we really, really started working from there. And from there, like, I brought Jay on to co-write the rest of the script with me. And we spent the next several months, like, really, like, actually writing the feature script at the same time, developing the music and, um, yeah, that, so that's really where it started in this sort of super scrappy way. And it really turned into something that was like much bigger by the end. I think, uh, Liz, you've mentioned uh, on other episodes that while you were waiting on a feature, you were like, I don't want to just wait. I want to make stuff. Mm -hmm. And we have very much the same attitude where we're like, we want to keep building our careers. Sorry, I'm out of breath. I have to close the door. <laughs> um, so we're like, let's not wait for permission. Like, while we're pitching our other films, let's make something. Um, and we never at that point anticipated, we were like, let's run and gun this and just see like who's around on what days and like keep doing that. But after that first shoot, and then when Stacey like cut some of the footage together, the people that worked on those first two days were like, let us know when you're shooting more. Like we want to be a part of this. So that was really, really cool and heartwarming. And we ended up having two like incredible cinematographers um, and a lot of the other crew like kept coming back. So it was like a little family that formed around this project. Yeah. So the next question is, how did you come up with the idea? But you pretty much answered that question. So I don't think we need to ask it again, but I'm going to sneak in a side question. So all the footage that you shot on the original first two days that made it into the feature. So you didn't have to reshoot anything at that point from there. Um, interestingly, that is really like the first 10 minutes of the movie, I would say. Oh, nice. Um, not all of it. There was some stuff that was trimmed out of it. As I guess, you know, happens in any edit just for like timing. A funny story about it was we actually realized when we were really getting into like, you know, footage. So something that was really nice about having time in between when we shot this and when we like shot the rest of the movie was, you know, you get to really look at like all the dailies. You get to see everything that you really have. And as we like filled in the script, we understood that there were a few things that we wanted to go back and like hone in on in this opening scene, which we knew at this point that this was going to be the opening scene of the movie, the, of this feature. But now that it was a feature, we were like, oh, okay, we need to really like punch in on some of the themes here. <laughs> but what was really funny about it was we shot those first two days. It was like the very, I think it was like November 28th and 29th. And it was so freezing. It was freezing. <laughs> I mean, we're, we, and we shot it outside. It's like a party. It's this like college <laughs> theater party that's like outside on this terrace. And uh, we spent a lot of the scene like huddled under a blanket, like as a part of the scene. But when we shot the pickups for the scene, it was the middle of July. <laughs> and we had to like blazing hot 
it was it was i mean it was like in the 90s and we had to re-put on like all the coats and like huddle under the blanket and i kept my clothes in the freezer before i ha- I was like until the last second my clothes will be in the freezer and it was at my house so i was like i i give myself permission to use this freezer right now <laughs> what's funny is nobody can tell and when i tell people that they're like what those were shot on different days it was like yeah, i mean because you can't really tell the way it's edited because it's all just so interspersed like with angles like what was shot when but it's really funny because we really went from like extreme cold to extreme hot to shoot that wow i think that is related to the next you're very good at anticipating what we're going to ask um how long did you spend working on the film from the from the inception of the idea till it's anticipated release because i know it's not released yet uh i started writing the first ideas of the script probably in like september of 2018 um we shot the um we shot those first two days at the end of november of 2018 and then we shot the vast majority of the film over several weekends mostly in the summer of 2019 um and then we had more pickups to do and we shot we really finished shooting it in January of 2020. I would say like, that's when we shot the last. So we really shot it over like an extended period of time, um, which was its own story with like, you know, hair continuity and like all kinds of stuff. But uh, so we really finished shooting it in January of 2020. We did 90% of posts like through the pandemic. And then it premiered at CineQuest. So we had our festival premiere in March of 2021. And then compared to all the other projects you've made, how difficult was this one? Wow. I mean, this was difficult for different reasons. I mean, I guess they're all difficult for their own reasons. This was hard to like keep the momentum going, even though we knew we wanted to shoot, but it's like, is this the right time? Should we schedule another weekend? Or like, we also knew if we didn't schedule another weekend, then like, even if we didn't have all the things in place, we wouldn't do it. So it was a lot of like believing in it, without knowing how to get any of it done. So it'd be like, all right, let's just put this on the calendar and then figure out what we need and then figure out how to get what we need. And if we need more money to make it happen. So a lot of it was just like blindly going forward. I would say it was the difficult part. And us being like, you know, sort of like, you know, willing things into being in some ways, like if you will it enough. And we knew that it was like, okay, the majority of the movie, and there are like, some really amazing supporting roles in the film. Um, but so much of the film is me and Mars and Jay. And so I was like, okay, if the three of us can be on set and our two DPs who, because we shot with two cameras most of the time, like if they could be on set, then we could fill in everything else around it and sort of like figure it out. And we would pick weekends, you know, like we shoot, you know, we, we usually shot over like three or four day weekends. That was like pretty much how we scheduled it out. Um, and we were like, okay, so like this actor is available on like this weekend. So we're going to use that as like our landmark to like take these, this, we're going to shoot this weekend. We're going to shoot these four days because he's available and we're going to shoot all of his stuff out over like these four days. Um, and yeah, it's sort of just using things or like a location. Like we would like reach out to, like, I really wanted to shoot at like the Cherry Lane Theater, for example. And they were really kind and like, let us shoot there. And they were like, okay, you can shoot on like this one day. There's nothing happening and you can be there. And we're like, great, that's our landmark. We'll use that as a thing to say we're shooting around that for that weekend. 
Yeah. Since I'm doing that exact same thing right now with my short and it's hell. Um, you paint a very nice, like rosy colored <laughs> aspect to it, but it is hell. Uh, okay. So let's take a it step is back. Hell. And <laughs> real quick, I'm also, I should also mention for those that haven't seen the film, which is probably a lot of people, but Stacy wrote, co-wrote, starred, directed, produced. A lot of times she was also production designing. I acted and produced and a lot of it was like us driving the truck to set us like picking up all the gear and loading the truck and like finding parking and also like being there to pick up breakfast and assemble all the crafty and like we did have a great team of producers that came on but because it was like you know such a low budget thing we didn't want to ask too much of them so it was hard like I don't want anybody to think that this was fucking easy because it wasn't <laughs> at all. Um, Liz, before you go back in time, yeah. really quick, just like, I'm really curious, like how big your breaks were bef- between shooting. Like, did you do it like every was it every weekend? Was it like every other weekend? Was it longer stretched was just across like six months? Like, what was the breakdown of how you shot? Yeah, so the majority of the musical stuff. Um, because so I, for people who don't know, this is also there's a musical with inside the film. Um, it's not it's not a musical where char- characters don't sing dialogue to each other, but the characters are creating a Broadway musical. And we do see like musical numbers that are used to push the story forward. So we had a like there were actors who were like specifically involved in that musical section. Um, and we shot most of everything with them over like five days, like that were consecutive. It was like consecutive five days. We had the theater, we had um, like a rehearsal studio location. Like we, so we shot like most of the musical stuff. And then after we shot most of the musical stuff, we took like a two month break and really like, God, I mean, we raised more money. First of all, like we cut together like a little trailer out of like that musical footage. Um, we use that to like go to people who had already given us some money and, you know, to try and get more money. We got some like new people involved in that. We did a crowdfunding campaign after that. Um, we used that footage and we like ran a campaign in between like that, f- those five days and when we shot it, the next section of it. And I think it was around two months later. And once we started shooting again, it was like every other weekend or every, it was Sometimes it was every other weekend and sometimes it was like every third weekend, but it was pretty often. It felt like every time we were shooting, it was like we were going, it was like doing pre-production for like a segment. And then the next two weeks were spent doing pre-production for like the next segment. And so it was like, we were like constantly in production over like several months. And we wrapped what I would say is principal photography, like everything that was in the script up to that point at the end of August and we took a little break. So the, what we shot at the end of August is more of like an epilogue and it was supposed to be like a few months or not a few months. I'm sorry. Like a few years in script time. Oh, right. right. So we actually took a break to like, like Jay, like did a whole new hair thing. Like we had, so we all had like really different hair and like, it was supposed to be these like drastically different looks. Um, So that was sort of like by design that we waited a little bit to shoot that ending nice yeah I, I the reason why i'm asking these questions because i like my next movie like i'm thinking i might want to do this same style because i did like the whatever you know 19 days in a row with weekends off and whew, you know that was rough um and i think having the time to like you know work on it and like you know 
like bring creativity to it in a way where you can't, where you're just so focused on like executing. I think having that break might be nice. But anyways, I don't know. It seems like there's pluses and minuses. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm also thinking the same way. And I I just constantly think about the fact that everyone, after they see my latest feature, they always point out two scenes that were written after the film was edited during pickups. And it was like the scenes that were written to solve problems that weren't in the film. And it's like, so, so often that's the time we get to look at our script and evaluate what's the purpose. Did we get everything we need? It's like that little sliver of time in between um, you know, um, ending principal photography. And, and if you are lucky enough to get pickups to do pickups, um, I had another question to go, I wanted to go back in time, but Arik, you're starting something here. Um, <laughs> so I guess my follow-up question to that is how do you secure equipment and crew and insurance? And maybe you don't want to talk about insurance because you don't want to get in trouble or whatever. Um, but I think what's hard about the spread out production timeline is actually the overhead of the rental fees. And so I was just curious how you bypass that, if you can talk about it. Yeah. So like insurance wise, we have like for our company, we have an annual policy. Um, so that's helpful in that sense. Um, for equipment, honestly, 95% of the equipment, like we own it. Like my partner and I, we have a, like our own separate production company where we do like day to day, we do branded content and commercials, like corporate work. Um, and so we own like a fair amount of like lighting stuff, grip stuff. Um, we did not use like our camera. We did have, so our other, so my partner was one of the DPs. And so our other DP owned his own camera and we rented a second camera that like was the same one and matched it. Our biggest expense in terms of like equipment was the lenses because we did want to get like a good set of those lovely cook cinema lenses. Um, <laughs> and so we did do that. Um, it was like every time there were small things that we filled in rental wise, the only time that I said, I feel like we had this giant rental was the pool. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. that was like a really big, we, so there's a scene in the film where it's, it's a dance in a pool. Um, and so New York so low has, budget, so easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, this day was fucking hard, but it was probably the best day. Honestly, like as hard as it was, it was probably the day that everybody talks about the most when you ask people about production, because we've been, so we utilize the New York tax credit. New York has now changed the rules and you have to be a much higher budget production in order to qualify for the tax credit. But um, when we first applied, we I mean, we did qualify for it because we were grandfathered in because we had put in the application before they changed those rules. In any case, New York has this like lovely tax credit where you can get 30% back on um, qualified production costs and post-production costs. And one of those, but one of the rules to qualify for it is you have to film for one day on what they call a qualified sound stage. Um, and it's, you know, not the cheapest to film on sound stages, which is like why it's one of those rules. Um, we got very lucky in that we have a great relationship with a soundstage and they, we actually shot over 4th of July weekend um, because they had nobody else there that weekend. And they were like, if you want to use it this weekend, you know, we'll give you this rate. And we were like, yes, we will shoot over the 4th of July. 
(laughs) Shout out to Be Electric Studios. They're amazing. And they're one of the few studios that also has gear that they let you rent like off the premises. So like there are some where you can like, if you're shooting there, you can rent the gear, but they hooked us up with gear for other locations and stuff. And they're incredible. Highly, highly recommend. They're really amazing folks there. But like in order to execute this day, we did need like, oh, because of the nature of it being this like giant soundstage, like we needed to make it work. You have to build a set as a part of the requirements. Um, so we needed we a shot lot so here. much that day. Like we shot interview, like we shot scene wise, like there was a scene that was an interview with one of our stars that like is a star in the movie as well. Oh. We shot <laughs> like two different components of the pool scene. There was just so much, like it was green screen. It was building this giant pool. It was shooting like the end of the epilogue. Like so many things happened on this one day. So many things. And we shot it all. We built the pool. Luckily they let us load in the night before. Like we brought everything there and it was just us. It was like me and Donnie, who's my partner and Mars. We loaded everything in. Like we brought all the lumber in for the pool. We brought in all the, like we loaded (laughs) everything in. And like left the van there and then showed up for set the next morning and we had to build the pool. So while, while we had team building the pool, we were on like this other part of the stage shooting this green screen stuff. And then we came and we had to do this whole song, this whole dance. Like it was crazy. We had to like take, and then in the same day we had to take the pool down and like wow. totally like get out of the sound stage. It was a really long day. And at, at some point, we just told everybody to go. We had one guy, Avil Shahanad. His name is John Rossi. He's amazing. He, like, refused to go. He's like, I'm not going to go. I'm staying here until the end. And I'm going to, like, make sure everything is out with you guys. And it was, like, so sweet. Um, because we, at some point, we were like, you know, we've been here for, like, 15 hours. Like, please, like, please go. Like, everybody go. <laughs> <laughs> and also, shout out to Stacey and Jay. Because while they had rehearsed the stance before, they had never rehearsed it in water. So Stacey was directing and dancing, like, heavy dance choreography in water. And then she'd, like, run over, watch them back, be like, did we get it? Uh, we got it. I don't do, you know, like, doing her director thing. And then right back in the water wow. that, like, at first is kind of, you know, like, feels, okay, like, that's not so bad. And then you're in it, like six hours and it's cold and it was cold yeah. it was hard it was hard but like one of those days that's like so hard and you're like how did we do this but then is like the most even though like you know very sore very sore afterwards I think it's funny because like we often refer to our projects as our babies but because this film is actually about a baby and we shot it over such a large period of time like it really felt like trimesters you know like <laughs> and then you also like forget how bad I'm not gonna experience but from what i've heard like get how bad the labor was so that people have more babies like your brain just like heals over that (laughs) right like liz you could probably talk more about that but like that's what my friends have told me and that's what this feels like it's like it was impossible it was so fucking hard but like you have to forget how hard it was in order to be able to say like i'm gonna make another movie (laughs) yeah i i kind of feel that way about like every shoot i'm on it's like you know when you're going through it it can be hell and then you look back at it like you know two months later later and you're like oh wow we had such a good time. That was so much fun. You know, like you forget about the 20 hour days and the no sleep and sleeping on the floor. It doesn't matter. Broken elevators, the staircases, (laughs) broken equipment. Yeah. What? I don't remember any of that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I know we want to go back in time, but one more question. Um, So now that you've, because I I assume your first movie wasn't done this way. Was that more of a traditional schedule that your first feature? Yeah, that was, I think we shot, when we shot much less days, it was either like 12 days, maybe 14 days. It was like a really okay. short shoot, but it was, it was all consecutive. 
So now I mean, we can break it. with like, I think it was like, we did, I think we did like two, I think we did two six day weeks with the day off and we did maybe like one or two other days besides that. Yeah. I think it was so, like, um, the script was like far more fully fleshed out for landing uh, up. Whereas like this script was more altered as we went, because at first we didn't realize that we were going to make a feature first. We're like, let's see what this is going to be. And then as it became clear, that's when we would like talk more about where the script should go. And then Stacy and Jay would like go off and shape it. So I guess the question is after doing both versions, like what will you do for your next project? Like, are you going to go back and do this like spaced out uh, form of production? Or are you more interested in going back to like, more traditional, like, you know, five days on, two days off type thing for however many days you can afford. I'm interested in having more money. So, (laughs) (laughs) no, I mean, I mean that in the sense of like, look, like, (laughs) I feel like doing the extended amount of production for this project was so right because, because of the way we started it, because of even just how we got into it, because we were even only able to raise money because we had footage to sort of like send out to people. Like, I don't know if we would have been able to raise money without showing that we were already like into this process and like doing it regardless. Um, And honestly, like, because we were sort of reworking the script as we went, you know, even after we shot these first five musical days, and then we took that two month break, even though we had the script out, we wrote, we rewrote the script after that. Like I watched the footage and I was like, yo, like I'm seeing, there's this like very clear thing happening in this footage that like in the way that we're acting and the way that we're responding together, that's not a part of the story. And we need to like address that. And like, you know, so I would say like, you know, if you have more money, it's maybe like, you're going to say, you're going to take the time. You're going to have a bigger team. You're going to do all of that development work like much farther ahead of time. And that's maybe going to make like having this straight shoot easier. Um, Yeah. But for, for this type of project, I I love how we did it. I'm so happy that we did it this way. I think it's only as good as it is because we did it this way because we didn't force it into like a binary amount of days. Um, But, you know, I I think if you have the money, Maybe. And then you have like the same crew, you know, you, you stick with the same crew. Like we, we, we had like a core crew that was the same, but we swapped out a lot of people. Like when people could come and be like, Hey, are you available? And they'd be like, no, but I want to come on the next one. And be like, great. These are the dates on the next one. <laughs> what did you have been? Um, you know? Yeah. I don't know if that's I, a good answer. I think it's really a per project thing. yeah it's like it's per project whatever serves this project the best and like even if you have a ton of money like some projects do shoot in units it's just more structured and you have that money to support those units versus like needing to do new units because you also need to raise the money right 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 we're going back in time this is what we're doing (laughs) um well and um the work the question i'm working now it has to do with the division between you two and your goals for sustainability so i'm just trying to figure out i mean i understand there's this side production company stacy that you have but that's not besties make movies and so that besties make movies is the company between you two correct and can you talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about the formation of your company coming together and then the division of the labor between you two yeah. Well, so Stacy has WeWoo Productions with her partner, Donnie, um, which they do more commercial and corporate kind of stuff. And then Besties was 
we worked the first time we worked together was on landing up, which was the first feature where I helped produce and I had a small role in the film. And that was awesome. Like we really loved working together. And like, for me watching Stacy and Donnie's collaborative spirit and just, you know, the way Stacy can like be acting one second and producing the next second. I was like, this is goals. This like, I need this person in my life forever. Um, and then we worked on a couple more things together including Big Exit, which is a feature we produced. And at the end of that feature, while we were actually at the same studio where we shot the pool scene, but it had a different name then, um, we were like, let's make this official and like, let's start a company together. And that company, you know, would serve to support us both in our goals. Um, And that included like everyone we love, like Donnie and Jay and, you know, everybody that's been super awesome to work with that, you know, we think is brilliant. Um, so we've used that as our create, as our narrative. Yes. And yeah. So besties does narrative work. Um, how do we divide leave? I think we just like, you know, we do a lot of, there was a time in which we were really like churning out a lot of content. And I think we try to honor each other's like, this is what, like we, cause we each have our own personal goals for like what we want out of our career, which is different than how we think about the company necessarily, though we do try to like, honor each other's personal goals within besties make movies. Um, and yeah, you know, we, I think, I think we just respect each other's time. I'm like, you know, like if we have things to do and I'm like, look, like I'm totally slammed. Like I can't, and you'll take it up and you'll be like, no, I totally can't. Like, can you take this up? I'll like, yes, I'll, I got you. You know, like, I think that that's just sort of how we split it. I don't know that there's like a clear division of labor so much as we just like try to do everything. <laughs> Yeah. Oh no, okay. Wait, no, I have a better answer to that. I feel like if you really want to think about it, I do a lot more of like the technical, like like if we need like like I edit a lot. So like if we need things cut, like I do those things. Like I do a lot of like I do a lot of technical things that need to happen with filmmaking. Mars does a lot of the like producing behind the scenes, like stuff that, you know absolutely has to happen that people give no love for but Mars deserves a lot of love for doing all that. <laughs> yeah I mean and also it's changed like before uh when we first started the company like Stacy was not yet she hadn't yet picked up editing so we would do a lot more of the producing together like just the nuts and bolts like line producing and all that sort of stuff and like we also when we take on a project we both give notes on the script for example but then if it's like a project I wrote and I'm acting in like Stacy might edit it she might direct it she'll definitely produce it with me. Um, and then if it's a project Stacey's directing, like I'll definitely produce it and I might act in it. But like basically whatever serves that story and that project um, and how we can be supportive of each other's dreams. So like also when we started Besties, Stacy was more actor writer and now Stacy is more on the director writer path. Um, and I'm more on the actor producer path. Um, so just figuring out like how to make sure that that company, that the company is supporting us while also like doing the good that we want in the world, which is like uplifting uh, people that have been historically excluded, which is like telling stories about queer people, um, about women, things like that. And also shout out to Jackie Schwartz, who we met and fell in love with her. She has similar missions and she has now joined the company as a producer and as our head of development, actually. And she you know, we wouldn't be where we are without her. Um, just, this is really great. And just to follow up to this, I'm just thinking of 
if you're an independent creator and you're trying to level up, it sounds like that's what you're doing with this company. You found someone who's like-minded, who you agree on, who you drive with, and then you create like an infrastructure around yourself. But are you taking fees for projects? Like, um, and are you leveling up through, through this company? Yeah. So that's the goal. I mean, I really feel like, like triple threat was really the first time that the film was majority financed by like investors. Um, and that was largely due to us bringing like Jackie on board and the relationships that Mars and I have made over the years of like traveling the festival circuit with our shorts, where we like developed relationships with people and then sort of like, you know, reached out to say, Hey, like, you know, we've sort of known each other for a while. Are you interested in like hearing more about this film and maybe like coming on board to, as an executive producer? Um, you know, so, so it's, it, it has been a lot of like relationship building over the last several years and then sort of like using those relationships, you know, now it's like our goal is to, you know, make our money back on triple threat so we can show our investors that, you know, it's safe to invest with us in the next project. Um, our goal, like sometimes we do, there are projects that we do take fees for, um, like even like Big Exit, Mars brought up, like that was somebody that, that was this like British guy who reached out, who like found me online and was like, I want you to like produce my feature. Like I want to film it in New York. And I was like, who are you? Like, what is this? Um, and then I asked Mars if they wanted to like do this project and he ended up like hiring us to basically he had no infrastructure in new york um he was like totally based in britain in the uk and um we basically put together like the entire new york crew we settled like all the locations we hired the casting director like we we basically like pulled the whole thing together and so like that's an example of a project that like we do to like people hire us and we take fees for um Mm -hmm. to do that stuff um which is also through besties, but, you know, different than when it's like our own film that like we're developing, I guess. So, you know, you're, you're saying that you both have projects that you'll bring to each other or bring to besties to make, like, how do you guys decide which one you're going to push forward? You know, if like you both have a movie that you guys want to get done, like, how is that conversation? How's that conversation go? You know? I mean, I think it depends on what is actually producible with what we have or what we think we can get, right? So, so like, most of it, so far, I haven't written any features. Um, I'm co-writing one right now with Jeffrey Weber, but I think it's, yeah, I think it's knowing, like, what is possible. So, like, if Stacy, when Stacy had this idea, it was, like, this this project does really, like, it is our mission. Like, it is putting women and queer people front and center center it is talking it is subverting a narrative that is like so important to us about you know women just want to have babies and why would a man want a baby and all these things and like exploring that I think was so fulfilling to Stacy and it was just as fulfilling to me as it was to her and to Jackie like this was yeah like it was a bullseye for all of us so I think in those situations it's a no-brainer I don't think we've yet been in a position where it's like we have two films that are ready to go at the same exact time. <laughs> that are both no brainers and like let's rock paper scissors for it. You know? And these days, like we're much, you know, we're very careful about like outside projects that we take on. Like people have approached us, and you know, we've said like no, that's like not something that we want to take on right now. Um, 
we do like we did take on we're doing a series in october it's called mashed and you know this the writer sent us the script and i was just like this is so good like i want to do this project like i don't even care like what's the budget like i want to do this project it's really good and you know mars and jackie agreed and so you know we we took the project on and um i'm directing it and mars is producing and has a role in it um and it's yeah so so you know when when we see things if people come to us and it, it's not something that like we initially wrote like we do come on like this project you know we're very heavily involved in the development of it and the rewrites of it in um in like basically taking it now from like the ground up into the production of it um and so we're really able to like give our attention to those ones that we like do decide to go with and take on um, rather than like, there was a while where we were just turning out, like we were really turning out like a lot of content and something in the pandemic taught us was to like breathe and like, maybe it's okay to not produce. Like what was that summer that we literally within the span of like six weeks saw, shot like four different short films? Like it was, it was a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot. It was like a whole identity change over the pandemic. Like going from people, you know, something people always say to us is like, you're so prolific. You make so many projects. Like you're always at festivals. You always have something new coming out. And like during the pandemic, we did have like a short film two weeks that had started doing the festival circuit. And like, I was really just devastated because it premiered at Oxford and I was really excited to go. And then it went virtual. Um, But being like, wow, I haven't been on set. Like, I'm not on set. I don't have, like, anything to talk about. Could, like, what, not that I don't have anything to talk about, but just, like, (laughs) that identity of being, like, okay, let's focus more on developing things and, like, making sure that the company is still, because it's so easy to forget that, like, Stacey wants to be a director primarily and, like, I want to act. And it's easy to just focus on like, let's turn things out, let's turn things out. And then remembering like, we're also whole people that are making this company happen um, and reevaluating that and figuring out how to make sure that the company is still supporting us, which then led to saying like, we have to sometimes turn things down, even if it is like the most awesome, like story that we really love, but we need to understand that our energy and resources are not infinite and we have to be mindful about how we use them. Um, but also like you said, the, how do we decide what moves forward? Like even before the pandemic, Jackie was producing a series uh, called sideways smile that we were not hands-on producing and she still went and produced it and she produced it as part of besties. And that was another, like, that's something that we do as well. It doesn't always have to be all of us on every project. Like if one of us is really passionate about it, we can still totally do it. I'm struck right now and I maybe it's the same point that I brought up a few minutes ago but it's like let's say you know filmmakers are listening and they're just like I'm just trying to get my projects off the ground but you're thinking bigger than that and it feels like the beginning of um you know it's like empire building is what you're talking about an empire building starts I'm not saying you're at a small stage you've done a lot but it starts from like a kernel right so I guess um what what got you the confidence to get to this point? Is it just having the extra? I'm I'm I don't know. Is Jackie bringing capital as well, or is it just the extra teammate, and or is it just the fact that you two can sustain a lifestyle that you can produce content all the time? And I'm trying to figure out like the leap from I'm just trying to get my independent feature off the ground to like I'm building an empire. And I think it's the fact that we have made a lot of small things together. And we 
learned how to work together really, really well. And we know that we can make something with very little money, whether we want to or not. Like we know that we can. So when we take on a project, we know that everything we get is extra. And then we like make use of that. So when Jackie came on, she not only brought on new contacts that wanted to like help us finance things, but she also like did hands-on producing. And so we've sort of like been training for these projects in a sense and like making these relationships. The one, the, one of our first investors in Triple Threat, we met him at, um, I think it was still called ITVF then, but Catalyst when Misha Calvera was hosting a panel and she invited us to screen uh, the sizzle for our pilot linked as part of the panel. And this guy saw it there and he was like, let's have coffee. Like, I'm not interested in EPing anything but let's just have coffee. And we had coffee a few times and we're like, hey, like this is a lot of coffees for someone that's not interested in working with us. And so he's like, let's do it. So he like, you know, it really is like, that's how we did it is like, we try to, we don't just want to uplift ourselves. Like for us, like we mean it when we say like, we want this to be a community thing. We want to like help everyone around us. And I think that people see that. And that is what one of the things that attracts them to working with us. I think too, like something I'll add is that one of the reasons that we have been able to do what we've done is that we both, I mean, between me, Mars and Donnie, who like really works a a lot, very, very closely with us. We do a lot of things. Like we are like, we in like, and when I say that, like in the, in terms of like what we can do to put a movie together, like, you know, like the, directing the shooting, the editing, the production designing, the line producing, you know, budgeting, scheduling, like ADing if we have to, running sound if we have to, like we have the ability to do a lot of things because along the way, like there was a point in which I was like, okay, you know, like the first, the very first short film I ever made, it was a $700 budget. Like I put in $350 and Jay put in $350. And that was the first short film I ever directed. And you know, between like when you are like, okay, this is all the money we have. This is all the money that like we can afford at the, and that was like years ago now, you know, but like that you can put in, it's like, okay, well, I need to know how to do a lot of things. So like, you know, I started teaching myself how to do a lot of things. Mars started learning how to do a lot of things. We're also willing to, you know, Mars talked about earlier, like even when we were filming triple threat, like I think 99% of the days, I think there was like maybe one or two days where Mars and I didn't meet like two hours before set to pick up the truck and pick up breakfast for everybody. Like (laughs) we literally, there were days when like we had a late, we wrapped late the night before. And so we still needed to start at the time that we had scheduled because we only had the space for a certain amount of hours, but we needed to call the crew later. So like literally Mars and I would get to set we loaded like our entire giant truck full of gear in just the two of us. Like, you know, we carried all the cases inside. We set it all up. We set up all the breakfast. Like we had everything set up when the rest of the crew arrived. So again, like that's really hard. That's. And so I think that like, if people are asking like, how do you do this? Like we were just willing to be sore and tired and get our hands dirty. And we wanted to do it so badly. Like we wanted to make this movie so badly that like, we had fun doing it too. I mean, it was a struggle. Like I, I'm not going to lie and say it wasn't a struggle, but it was fun, you know, like, because w- like we called our company besties make movies because we're best friends. If we have a great time together, like we, we laugh, we make jokes. We would like, you know, Mars would be driving the truck and I would be like, 
making stupid videos, <laughs> like driving over like the bridge. I don't know, you know? So it's like finding people, it's, it's finding your tribe. It's saying like, I love you. I am okay spending like 18 hours <laughs> with you to like make this happen to like get sweaty and, you know, then we're going to go sleep for like two weeks, <laughs> you know, like to do it. Maybe that's I, it. I, something that like I've along that mindset, like I do want to say that that is within reason of what you are physically able to do. Like totally understand yes. some people are not physically capable of doing those things. So this is not blanket advice for everyone. Um, but yeah, like, like Stacy and I being two people that are like, I'll carry anything. I'll wake up anytime that I have to like to make my dreams come true. And I don't think that's sustainable forever. <laughs> but while we have the energy to do that, like that's, yeah, we're like, we will do anything. Yeah, but that's how we got it off the ground. And, and just to put a, and I will shut up, Alric, I swear, but um, to put a finer point on it, no one's, or at least I'm not insinuating that um, you're not hard workers. It's that I think filmmakers are often very insulated in a way that they just think I got to get this project done. They're not thinking about world domination. And I feel like that's built into your plan right now. So I'm just trying to think, but it sounds like it's just like, hard work. <laughs> like that's yeah. I think world domination is hard work. You know, like, I think that we do think bigger. I think also like over like filming triple threat, like I think all along the way it's been, every project has been the next project we've done has been bigger than the one before it has gotten more things, has had more people involved, has had, has been more pro- like produced in an aspect to it and that's because like you know we you know in a way not in a way filmmaking has to be sustainable at some point you know if it's something that you're gonna call your career I mean I, I'm I'm lucky in the sense that I feel like I I work in film full-time on like the, the the other side of it like the the branded side of it um And so that has allowed me to be able to say like, okay, like I can do projects in this way. Um, But yeah, I think we've always talked about how, how can filmmaking, how can doing these narrative projects that we love that give us so much joy be something that's sustainable and, you know, to think and thinking about it in that way. Um, to not just say like, you know, because it's, it's always the argument, right. Of like art for art's sake or art as a business. Um, I think art is, it, it can be both, both have love, but like, I think we do think about it as like a business in some ways. Yeah, for sure. And like this business is so hard, um, because you have to be able to work so much for free in order to gain the experience or learn how to do a thing and to even to fucking PA and sweep the floor. What, what other films have you worked on? You know, like you get that so much. Um, like, sorry, I've swept my own house. I don't, I don't know what you want me to say. I can, I, I buy myself coffee. I have texted myself, like, you know, like what qualifications do you need? Anyway, like you need so much of that experience. And we are both very fortunate that we have been able to like, you know, we do come from that place of privilege where we have had the time to like volunteer on somebody's set so that they can volunteer on our set and doing things like that, like bartering and teaching ourselves how to do these things. Um, that's been super helpful. We're part of a film collective called The Film Shop. Like we've met a lot of great people that are super supportive through that. That would like, we would go to their sets, they would come to our sets. Um, there's just so much that you don't even think about. But then also, 
I think part of the reason we think of this as like a world dominating thing is because the stories that we really want to tell are stories that are not being told. And so we know how shitty it is to like, you know, not see a story where a woman is unapologetically after her career. We know how shitty it is to not see a story about asexual people. We know like uh, MASH, the series we're working on is about vaginismus and pelvic pain. It's like that story is not being told. So like inherently by telling these stories about pe- like you are going to change the world and make it hopefully better for people and give them a chance to say like, I don't even have the words to tell you about this thing, but maybe you can watch this movie and like understand me a little bit better. You know, like, I just think that that's inherent in what we care about. So, so just to follow up on the sustainability part, um, Stacey, you mentioned that, you know, you have your, your day job working in branded content and stuff, but Mars for you, what do you do to, to pay the bills, you know, um, when you're not making movies with besties? I mostly, I'm not going to lie. I used to work like four jobs all the time. Now I'm very fortunate <laughs> to have a husband that supports me and, I, because of that, I can put all of my time into besties and acting. Um, Yeah, I'm very, very fortunate (laughs) in that way. Like, this is not a place I thought I would ever be in in my life. Um, But I also think that that makes me work harder because I feel like I I have so much like mental stuff around this, but like I... I'm trying to fix this in my thinking, but I'm like, I need to compensate for not having to have a day job. Like I need to be working every possible second to like make my acting or my producing or my writing career, you know, feasible. Um, yeah, well, and there so. were times that like, you know, there were only things that were able to happen because you had that kind of time. I mean, like I was working full time, even when we were shooting triple threat, like I never had really like time off to like even on shoot days, like I had to deal with stuff for, because we run our, you know, like we were productions, like is my, me and my partner's business. Like we run our own business. So like, if we're not paying attention to it, we're not making money, you know? And like, that is, um, you know, that's something that has to sustain us. And so like, there were times even like on set, like we were having to take calls because he was shooting the movie and I'm directing the movie, obviously like, you know, we were having to also deal with like clients who, <laughs> were in touch with us and who we had to like arrange things. And we had to like, like I was editing one day, like I had to come home and finish an edit like that I had to submit because they were waiting for a new draft of something. And I edited until like one in the morning and then like (laughs) went to set the next day, you know? And that's another thing of like, yeah, it was, it was, it was tiring. (laughs) Uh, But, but I'll say that like, because, you know, Mars was so helpful in that I was like, look, like, can you take this, off the plate like can you you know arrange these things that like I can't do because like I need to do like this other thing and like Mars is like you know the most generous when it comes to that nice I think we have to do final five but Ulrich do you have any last questions no no it's just uh you know like it's awesome to hear your your work ethic because I think like that's like the thing that you know really I think is the key to filmmaking is like people who have strong worth ethics seem to do well and seem to make their films and, or people who are just extremely determined. (laughs) So, you know, yeah, it's just sort of in line with my thinking, hearing your stories of, you know, doing the breakfast, picking up the truck. It's like the stuff you got to do when you're in the independent filmmaker, you know, it's just, uh, just how it is. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Also like using just your own resources. Like we shot at uh, both of our apartments so much for all of our projects. And like yeah. my my partner would like be like this is the last time, and I'd be like, 
Yeah. Sure it is. Is it? Of course. <laughs> yeah. I, I got two movies in my old apartment. Um, I don't know if I'll get one in this house. Maybe. I think so. At least out front. At least out front. <laughs> uh, all right. So we want both of you to answer each question. Uh, what's the first film you ever made and how do you feel about it now? Oh, my God. My first movie was um, called Teamwork Like Wolves. I had the idea for it. Um, it's It was basically like Broad City before Broad City happened, but it was supposed to be about these like two girls that got all of their jobs off of Craigslist and were just like trying to sustain themselves that way. And Sydney K, who's done a lot of graphic design work for Besties, who is not an actor or a filmmaker at all, but she was she is my best friend and roommate. And I was like, guess what? We're making this now. So we shot that. And I had no <laughs> idea what I was doing. Our main location was this deli and they like gave me a verbal confirmation. Then we showed up to shoot and they're like, what the hell are you talking about? And then like convincing them. I'm very happy with how it turned out. It's on YouTube. <laughs> if you are, uh, you know, going to creep, it's there for you to creep on it. Um, really, so I come from a theater background. Um, I went to NYU for drama. Um, after I graduated from NYU, I, I went and I lived in uh, Tel Aviv for two years. And I had been producing theater. Like I sort of realized when I was at NYU that I wasn't, this is getting somewhere, I promise, that I wasn't like happy just auditioning for other people's stuff. So I had actually, I spent the first two years after I graduated, like producing theater, developing theater pieces in the city, like performing them like off, off Broadway. We would, we would raise money and, um, you know, get black boxes and like put on shows. Um, when I went to Tel Aviv, I met Donnie. He's Israeli. And, um, he was in film school at the time and he was making his thesis film. And I was like, you know, I produce theater. Like I could produce a movie, you know, I wouldn't know about anything. <laughs> um, and so I helped him produce his like thesis short film for film school. And I helped, there was like a, a sexual um, assault scene in the film. And I helped like kind of choreograph that with him and watching how these things came out on camera was just like, mind blowing to me. I was like, oh my God. And when you're like theater is like staying wide the whole time, you know, like it's like you're in a wide shot for two hours. And on film, I was like, oh, so you can you tell people where to look. And like that's so <laughs> and I just fell so much in love with the art of it. And I really I think the movie is beautiful. It's it's streaming on Seed and Spark still, I think. Um it's called Guides. It's um yeah, I'm really I'm really proud of him and that film and to have like worked on it and to have that. And what was crazy was like I speak Hebrew now like fairly fluently, but I didn't speak Hebrew then and the whole thing was in Hebrew and I was just like, yeah, I can totally produce a movie in the language I don't speak. <laughs> That's <laughs> hilarious. Um, what's the best filmmaking advice you've ever received? I feel like I don't remember concisely, but something along the lines of like just not being afraid to fail. You know, and I think my addendum to that would be starting small so that the consequences aren't massive. Like when I made Teamwork Like Wolves, nobody gave a shit about it but me <laughs> and my <laughs> friend. And it was just for fun to like have a creative outlet. And that has led to all of this, being here with y'all, making movies with my best friend, like hopefully making the world a better place. You know, I was going to say, you don't be afraid to fail. The first thing that came to my head was to hang your rejection letters on the wall. Um, and <laughs> for like my first project, I did do that. I don't do that anymore. But 
rejection is so much a part of this business, you know, like I feel like we get wins and they're amazing. And then you get like 10 failures or so-called, you know, like, and it, I feel like every now and then one will actually sting, but for the most part, it's just sort of like, that's the nature of the business. And it doesn't mean that you're not talented. It doesn't mean that like, okay, I have a better way to put it is make, make fans, not sales. And like, even now there's companies who, you know, they still haven't bought a project from us, but they'll come to us and say like, what do you have? And it's, it's about like, like they're a fan. And so, you know, someday we'll find the right project someday like that. I hope I, I believe will like actually go through, but like, you know, you might get told by the same person who might really like you. 10 times. No, like this isn't the project for me. This isn't, we can't develop it right now. We can't buy it right now, but that doesn't mean that they don't like you or like your work or like what you have to say. It just has to be the right fit at the right time. And this business is so much about being the right fit at the right time in the right moment. And to believe that, to believe that that is going to come for you. Can I add one thing to that? Um, I love that advice from Stacey so much because after I make teamwork like wolves, um, I put it online and like some people like shadow over it, you know, like I'm not saying it was great at all, but I let that stop me from making anything for another like year or two where like, I should have just been like, not everyone's going to like it. Even if everyone hates it, I learned something. How can I apply that to the next thing? So just knowing there's going to be haters regardless of what you do. Um. I hung my film school rejection letters uh, from the refrigerator. They were like all, they covered the refrigerator. Um, <laughs> what are your goals as a filmmaker? Um, my goals, I want to, you know, I, I really want to like write and direct and direct things I don't write and write things I don't direct, you know, like on, but on, <laughs> a, on a larger level, you know, like, I think we say a lot like the dream is to be something like killer films, like making that type of content that is really powerful and um, sustainable. And, you know, that, that, that there's projects where, you know, maybe we're not directly involved, but our company is producing it. And maybe like Mars will be off like acting in something and I'll be directing a feature, but like the company is still like sustaining and as we've built it to be that way. Um, yeah. What about you, Mars? Yeah, I would say similar. I would love to like act in things I don't write and write, like also act in things I do write and then not necessarily act in things I write while having besties still like functioning, like Stacy said, and still like, you know, eventually I'd love to like be able to give grants to people and support filmmakers in that way too as besties and just like, yeah, keep finding innovative ways um, to, you know, change the landscape and open the door for more people and keep sending the elevator back down and just producing dope shit with my favorite people. Amen. Um, If you could go back in time, what's one piece of advice you would give yourselves? Well, one piece. (laughs) I'm stumped by all these questions. (laughs) Okay. My advice would be that you, so I am an addict and for me, like part of, I didn't even realize that I was an alcoholic until like after I was sober for like three years. 
and like I uncovered stuff through that sobriety. But basically, I think my main takeaway is like you are not defined by your mistakes. You know, like I never thought I would be a fucking like filmmaker. You know, I just thought I'd be like a grungy street rat in New York City bartending in a bikini, like because I had nothing to offer. And being on the other side of that now is yeah, it's like beyond my wildest dreams. Like every day I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> like I get to do this every day. And there are hard days and I have a lot of like mental health issues, but every day I get up and I put one foot in front of the other, which I wouldn't be able to do if I didn't make mistakes that like, you know, if everything went right, would I end up with Stacey as my partner in my creative and personal life? Probably not. So like everything happens for a reason and just like keep fucking going, keep going. Um, that's so beautiful. Um, yeah, I guess I I wish that somebody had told me when I was like, even younger, you you know, I think that like Gen Z now is so lucky to have, like to have been brought up with in the time of like me too and times up and the, the movements that have happened. I feel like when I was in school and coming up, it was before a lot of that. And I feel like it took me a really long time to um, have a voice to say that like, I have a story and I wanna tell it and I'm, and I'm gonna tell it. And I would like wait for other people to come around or like I'd produce things and then I'd have ideas and I'd be like, doesn't anyone wanna write this? And eventually people were like, why don't you write it? And I'd be like, I'm allowed to, it's like, no, you know, I don't know. I feel like I waited a long time for permission. And when I finally stopped, waiting and just started doing um everything changed and everything happened and you know i met Donnie, i met mars like i i found my tribe of people but like it it took i would say the advice is like give yourself permission to write that story to go out and make it and make it badly even if you know like write something that maybe isn't very good because maybe the next thing you write will be good but you'll never know if you don't start and um yeah giving yourself permission i feel like a lot of that has been given in <laughs> recent years and then we used to be taught to keep our mouth shut and i'm tired of that yeah, you couldn't even be a multi-hyphenate back then and be like if you're an actor don't tell anyone else you do anything else if you're a producer don't tell anybody you act yeah. like don't tell anyone you direct i'm getting so emotional right now but i got to be there when stacy did her first directing thing which is like a project we created together like it's so fucking fulfilling oh my god like yeah what yeah i moved (laughs) our last question is making movies hard yeah but so worth it it's so hard but so fun and it's yeah i mean i think even with a lot of money it's hard but like because if it's not hard, like if you don't put in that hard work, then maybe you don't really know what you're doing, you know, and maybe you're just somebody who was lucky and got a lot of money, but you don't really know what you're doing with it. And we've all seen those movies. Like, let's see, I've seen those movies at like major festivals and I'm like, why and how, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> who is your daddy and what does he do? It's a really great film. <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, but it's hard, but it's the best, especially when you're doing it with your bestie. Um, you am- all with love. Amazing. 
So uh, if people want to learn more about you, where should they go? Just to your website? Do you have a Twitter? Where's the best place? We have all the things. We have a website. It's bestiesmakemovies.com. We have Instagram at bestiesmakemovies. Twitter is at bestiesmovies. No make for because for some reason that was not available on Twitter. <laughs> um, we also both have uh, personal socials, which are easily Googleable and findable. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Do you love making movies as hard and you want to listen to more episodes? Jump over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash MMIH and you can listen to the entire back catalog of episodes for just $1.99 a month. That's an additional 300 episodes that aren't on iTunes that you can listen to whenever you please. But without any more blibber blabber. Back to the show! Okay, Alric. If Stacy and Margarita were on the show today, what is the one question you would ask them? I would want to know what Bessie's Make Movies is up to. Like, are they still making movies? They have another feature going. How's their company doing? Like, what? Like, how have they ridden the wave the last couple of years since we've been in this kind of slowdown period uh, after COVID? Like, what? What's going on? That's basically what I would ask. I don't know if you ever listened to this interview, Eric. You probably did. I did, yeah. This is, I think, fairly early on when I started producing yeah. the show. And I, they were, it was, I remember, it was a very, very sweet interview because it was literally like, it's just, it's two best friends trying to come together to, to make a film. And I, that's always, that's always wonderful. I think that's absolutely beautiful. I looked up Stacy really quick and she has got a, a short that she directed called Jones that just came out in 2023. Wow. And then she was a director for a TV miniseries called Mashed. So it looks like she's still out there. She's still recording. She's still shooting stuff. I don't know if they're still working together or separately. But yeah, I, nice. I wish them the best because they were they were such sweet and nice people. Yeah, I'll never forget the picture of them with their U-Haul in the mud when they're trying to get their U-Haul. <laughs> it's really crazy. But yeah, Eric, do you have a You're the Expert for this week? I do. And I when I wrote this to you, I, I kind of said it sheepishly because this is a question that we ask on the show every week, but I thought it would be interesting to ask it to you. So it's kind of a cheat for me writing the segments called You're the Expert, but what are your goals as a filmmaker, Ulrich Purcell? What do you hmm. want to accomplish? I have answered this question before because at one point, Liz and I, I think it was before you were on the show, like we both answered these for ourselves mm -hmm. but yeah what would i say now i think like basically to to make movies well first off to make more movies right like I think that's mm -hmm. the main goal and then i think to make movies particularly that i'm equally proud of as my other work especially the alternate like i want to make something that or i want to make things that i feel have a place in in the world of of movies and that you know, people have a connection to or, or will possibly have a connection to and just movies that I think are interesting and, and a little different, you know, that like kind of, you know, fill, fulfill my need to make something that I, I don't feel like is being made or being done, you know, in the way that I would do it, you know, right now in mainstream Hollywood or even in indie film, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think just like making things that I feel like, hit my own internal mark of of quality and uniqueness i guess mm -hmm. and and just making sure that they get seen like you're trying to make sure they, they they give them the best chance to be seen by as many people as possible i think that's like the main goal like i would have hated if i made something 
and I didn't try to get it seen and give it its best shake, you know, its fair shake to get out into the world. So I don't know if that's a good answer, but that's sort of like where I'm at now. And I'm sort of putting away like these other goals of like, like one of the, I think probably one of the goals I said before was like getting paid as a director. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love that. That'd be great. But like, I feel like that's like less of an important goal now. It's more like, you know, if that happens, that would be great. But I think more so it's like just making sure that whatever I make is something that I care about and that, you know, I feel like deserves to, to be made, you know? Uh, what about you, Eric? Do you have any goals or anything particular? I do. It is to make five films. That is my goal. Five. Uh, wow. Okay. Five. The reason be now, granted, I kind of arbitrarily came up with the number five, but I. Yeah, who are you, Twin Wooden Tarantino? Like I'm going <laughs> to do ten movies, and that's do it. Do ten, and then he's done. No, I wanted to do five films for the fact that I, I started off my career as a stand-up comedian. And there was a very annoying thing that I felt like you'd run into every once in a while, where being a comic, the the way you do it is you start at open mics for a long period of time until you kind of like build your stage presence, you build your chops, you kind of build your your set, and then you can kind of start working, you know, usually as like an MC or you pick up like little gigs here and there. There was always every once in a while, it was usually a dude that was so overly confident that would come in and do one open mic set and then declare that they were a comedian and then kind of noisily retire. Just like, I did it. That's it. I'm a great comedian. I'm not going to do it again. And all the other comedians and I who would be sitting around would just be like, who is this jackass? Uh, And we were always very annoyed by them. So there is a side of, it's always been a chip on my shoulder. And so the idea of making one feature film I still feel a bit trepidatious calling myself a filmmaker. So I figure if I make five films, then that is undeniably, you are a filmmaker. You, mm-hmm. uh, and also uh, there's, I believe, like anything that you do in life, there's a craft to it. And so the first film you're gonna make, I'm sure I'll look back on fondly, but at the same time, I'll look back on it and say like, oh, I've learned so much, you know, like look how I've grown as, a, as an artist, as a filmmaker. So that's why I would like to at least make five films because one, as you know, they just take forever to make. So you can't, you, unless you're in some sort of grindhouse studio system, you can't expect to make 30, 40 films in your career. Sometimes, sometimes five is, that could be 40 years right there. Who knows? So I figured yeah. if I make five films, then I could maybe hit into a couple of different genres. I could get better at what I do and hopefully make better, better films. Have you made, you made shorts, right? Oh, sure. I've made a bunch of shorts. Yeah. So you didn't consider yourself a filmmaker after you made your short films? Uh, no. And that's not, you know, no shade on people who make short films. But I, when I hear a filmmaker, I always think feature films. Or I, mm. I, and let me, let me put an, an asterisk on that as well. I think long-form storytelling. So if you are, you know, if you do a, five episodes of a web series that, you know, and each episode is half an hour. Well, of course, I mean, like you've made a a number like quite a long bit of programming there. So I think that that making a short is a great way for you to learn as a filmmaker, but very few people outside of filmmakers watch shorts. I think we saw, you know, we it's the sort of thing that has been tried many times. And I do think that there's certain sites that are really doing their best to try and bring shorts to the forefront. And every once in a while you see one that catches fire and really, you know, like a lot of people end up seeing it. 
But I, I just think for the most part, people watch movies. They don't really think to sit down and watch shorts. And although it's the same muscles that you have to flex in order to make those things, the the big show is is the full feature or some sort of long form entertainment. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, we talked about this on the show a lot, even back in the Timothy days. And I feel like I always landed on the idea that like, you know, like people want to call themselves a filmmaker really early in the process, right? They want to call themselves a filmmaker when they're just writing a film, you know? And I feel like, you know, I used to get really like annoyed when people would be like, you know, have a business card that said filmmaker and they, they didn't even have a short film that they were willing to share. You know, it's just like, come on, like if you're going to call yourself a filmmaker, like have a movie that you can share that like you are proud of, you know? But I feel like I, I sort of like the, the, the defi- definition that I became comfortable with to call yourself a filmmaker is that if you've made a movie and you're actively making more movies, like, and, mm-hmm. and that can be in, into like writing or, you know, whatever, like producing, whatever it is. Like if you have a body of work that you can show for yourself that you are continually adding onto, I think that you can call yourself a filmmaker, whether or not they're shorts, features, whatever, you know? So if you've made like Mm -hmm. three or two or three shorts, like you basically are just kidding yourself. If you're not calling yourself a filmmaker, you're just like, (laughs) cause you are one, (laughs) like you're, you've done it and you're doing it and you're continuing to do it. So I feel like the whole idea of like, Oh, I want to make five features so I can like, confidently call myself a filmmaker you know it's admirable but I, I, I feel like unnecessary I feel especially when you get to a feature film and you have multiple shorts too and you're engaging in other movies after that like I think you have earned your badge sir you can call mm. yourself a man or a woman you can be a filmmaker for sure and I don't think there's anyone in the world who would who would doubt you if you've made multiple shorts in a feature and you are not quitting being a filmmaker so that's sort of like my take on it I do feel like the active part is important to me to some degree. Because if you made like, you know, a feature and a bunch of shorts and then you haven't made anything for 10, 20 years and you're not really interested in making things, then it's like, well, are you really a filmmaker? Maybe you used to be a filmmaker, you know? Mm-hmm. But like, I, there's also people like, if you are like previous guest of the show, Tom Schulman, you made movies way back in like 1997. You made your first feature, but then you didn't make another feature for like 20 plus years. So like, you know, like, but, but is Tom Shulman a filmmaker? Well, I think you have to argue, yeah, he is. Cause he's not only directed multiple features, but he's also written some of the most important movies, you know, in the history of our time, depending Shout on Shout out Dead Poets Society. Yeah. Yeah. Dead Poets Society. And then to me, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, which is like, well, you know, one of the most important movies to me as a kid and also, you know, or once a kid and as a science fiction fan in general, you know, that's just such a great movie. So I kind of feel like. Yeah, where where does it where do you take take where where do you call it? Like, you know, if if he hadn't made a movie since 1997, but he's like written some of the best movies ever and is actively getting paid to do rewrites and things as a writer in Hollywood, well, I think you have to call him a filmmaker. So, yeah. I don't know. I think I think there's it's just a little too vague, but I think in the end, like what I like to say is like it's all up to you. Like I like to empower people to 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 give themselves a title that they feel comfortable with, you know, and if as long as you're actively working on it, I feel like Hey, you you've made a few shorts and you're still work. You're trying to make your first feature. You're a filmmaker. Go for it. Yeah, o- yeah. own that well, title. I mean also, earn that title. But also at the same time, it's like, yeah, I just want to make a. I do want to make a bunch of stuff. Like, there's one of the things I feel like is very irritating in this business is you tend to really get a real toehold if you are the type of artist that comes along and kind of makes the same thing over and over again. Then you just yeah. get to be known as like, oh, you're the person that always makes the 
the motorcycle action movie. Way to go. And uh, like that seems so boring to me. Like uh, the the film that I'm finishing right now, Bakersfield Noir is my first film, is kind of an, a mystery. It's a, a thriller comedy about the type of people that I grew up with, like these kind of wannabe gangsters. That'll probably be the only time I make that movie. I'm not interested in going back to that movie. The, the next film that I'm writing is called Control, and it's a it's a hostage situation about eight people in one location, and it's along the lines of you know Twelve Angry Men and Albino Alligator and some of these other films like that. So once I've done that one thing, I want to move on to something else. I, I don't want to keep doing the same thing over and over again. Mm, mm, uh, but what about yeah. you? Is your next film going to be... I know you love the sci-fi realm. You, you want to kind of stay in there. But is the next thing going to be a, a guy wanting for a new life who crawls <laughs> through a portal to, no, uh, to it, try to take the place gonna, of his doppelganger? It'll be science fiction for sure, but it's not going to be the same kind of story or the same type of type of characters you know that was a very personal story and i feel like i I still want to write personal stories and i think like whatever i write there will be part of me in it sure the one i'm writing right now is like you know it's a it's a multi it's like an ensemble cast it's all over the place it's very like much like men in black meets rick and morty meets like you know a grindhouse movie from the 80s meets you know, Pulp Fiction. It's like all over the place. It's crazy, you know? And I think that like, you know, I like that idea too of making things that are different. But then there's another movie I I have in my head that I've started writing that I'm going to write after I finish the the current one that's way more like in the same realm as the alternate. Like it's very much like, you know, small cast, like three or four actors, you know, one location, you know, or, or, or a few locations very similar in scale but then like in concept like completely different but also like wild and out there in the same ways that the alternate is wild and out there yeah so that's why i really like it a lot i think it's just a really fun and i've never seen anyone do a a science fiction story in this way like they've done stories like this before like this is a very popular subgenre of science fiction but the perspective that this movie that I'm going to write one day takes is is unlike any other perspective I've ever seen. So that's what I'm really so excited about it. And I think that that will be made eventually. But like getting that, that script right and making sure it's perfect is the really important part. And, you know, I, I got to get this other movie out of my system first and then I can focus on that one once once this one is written, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but no, I, I totally agree. I feel like the thing that I I worry more about than like making five features is just making a goddamn second one. Cause there's, I would say like out of the realm of all the filmmakers that I've had on the show or we've had on the show over the, over the years and, and just filmmakers you meet like the, the amount of filmmakers who have made one feature and never made another feature again is so, is so large. Like yeah. it's probably like 90%, maybe 85. It's like a ton of, of us indie filmmakers make one feature and then it either doesn't work out the way that we want it to, it doesn't resonate with the audience the way the way that we hope, or we don't get a return financially on it, and then boom, we're done, you know, and like we're off to other things. And I just don't want to be that guy. Like I want to make another narrative film, you know. And but I'm not. But I'm taking the weight off my shoulders of like when. Like it doesn't have to be tomorrow. It doesn't have to be in five years. I just want to do it again, you know? Yeah. So, I don't know. That's kind of like my version of your five movie thing is just making another one. <laughs> just make, let me make one more. And then if I get lucky enough to make another one after that, then that's even better, you know? Yeah. That's, uh, that's a great answer. All right. Well, what are your goals? 
let us know. Do you guys have specific goals as filmmakers out there? Like, what are you guys trying to do? Is it just to make your first feature, to make your first short, to make 20 shorts? What do you guys want to do with your careers? Let us know. You can send those answers and other questions, comments, or suggestions to podcast at makingmoviesishard.com. Or if you really like the show, you can leave us a review on iTunes. It's been a hot minute since we got an iTunes review, so it'd be great to get another one now that we're officially in the second half of the year. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MMIH Podcast and YouTube at Making Movies is Hard Podcast. Thanks to our editor, Jeff Reimert, for doing the editing. Thanks to Robert Jones for continuing to do our social media. You are the best, Robert Jones. Thanks, Thanks to our California. producer, California Jones. California Jones! <laughs> Thanks to our producer, Eric Downs, for being awesome. Thanks to you all for listening, and we'll talk to y'all, boom, next week. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean not a cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. Yeah. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.